Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, and practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello, everyone. I am here with the amazing Brian King, and I just love his business name. I love his domain because his domain is Brian Can Help. And if that is not the most actionable and the most wonderful name, I don't know what it is. Thank you for being with me here today. It's an absolute pleasure, Brooke. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am really looking forward to it, too. Brian has a special energy when he came into the recording studio here. He has a really serene and really, really calm energy. So I'm excited to dive into his story and to learn a little bit more about what he's doing. So, Brian, I know this is a hard question. It's everyone's least favorite. But before we get started, can you share the little clip notes version of who you are? Absolutely. I grew up with undiagnosed autism, ADHD, and dyslexia. Uh, my graduation present from high school was stage three testicular cancer. So I spent that summer in a very brutal chemotherapy. And I went on and got my degree in social work. I have a master's in that. Went on and got married. Had three boys who subsequently were diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And that's how I got my diagnoses. And I've also been diagnosed with two physical conditions. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which makes my joints very bendy to the point of getting stuck or partially dislocating. And I also have multiple sclerosis. So in the midst of all that, I have three boys with autism and ADHD who need to know how to live fully in this world. And they're not going to learn through lecture. They're going to learn by example. So my life priority has become being able to practice what they need to know for the world, psychologically, emotionally, physically. Because if I model quitting and making excuses, it makes me a hypocrite, not a good guide. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, I think. I love that. Well, and one thing I've really, many of my friends have been diagnosed later in life as well with neurodiverse conditions. And oftentimes it does come through your children because you pay attention to your child. You're watching your child. And of course you want the best for your child. And then you start to see some of the same things pop up for yourself. And then you really reflect on your childhood. You reflect on your way of being and what you've been through. And then you're like, it all makes sense. Well, it was actually the teachers. The teachers spotted it. So my oldest was diagnosed, but then in doing the research to understand it better, that's when the bells started going off for me. And I pointed to my then wife to see, hey, you know, what do you think about this stuff? She nodded and said, yeah, that looks like you. So that's when I realized I needed to go get my own assessment. And I subsequently was diagnosed and that opened Pandora's box of rediscovery and redefining who I was. And one of the things that I ultimately learned 
is the importance of depersonalizing the difficult times. Now, things didn't happen to me for a reason. Things weren't meant to happen to me. They weren't supposed to happen to me, but they did happen. And once they do happen, I need to play cleanup. I need to attend to any effect it had on me so that I can make use of it instead of just allowing it to become trauma. So one thing that I made a point of, especially because when you're in cancer, you're in Ehlers-Danlos, you are in it. It's all consuming. So it's not something that you can take a break from necessarily. So you need to know how to live fully and extract meaning and purpose from those experiences. And that has really become my worldview, which is one of the reasons I can show up optimistic and grateful because I realize that although my life is less than perfect in many ways, it is still worth living. I love that depersonalization because I think it's easy to feel like your struggles, not that all people's struggles aren't unique, but my struggles are unique. My struggles are harder and really get very ingrained, right? And in the conversation with ourselves about our own struggles, and I know in some cases I've done that is, you know, I had a very violent stalker. Um, like my stalking experiences were unique. It was uniquely bad. It was uniquely troubling. I love that depersonalization aspect. How would you say for someone that has maybe not started the process, how did you begin depersonalizing? Because I'm sure that was a stair step sort of situation. You can't do that overnight. Absolutely. It's a process. And I learned it through Buddhism. I was, I don't want, I don't know what the, the word, baptized into it uh, in the early 90s. So I've been practicing ever since. And a big part of it is understanding that things aren't done to you because of you. I mean, when we're younger, depending on how we're parented, we are taught that we are to blame for our parents' emotions. You made me angry. You know that I get angry when you do that. And we're taught that we're responsible for other people's emotions, which leads to a lot of problems in relationships. But we learn through the, the Buddhist practice, and there's also something in therapeutic thinking to back this up, but the idea that events occur and you happen to be there when they did. It isn't because you did something to deserve it or bring it on. So you deal with the effects of it. How are you going to make sense of it? How are you going to use it? How are you going to grow from it? But it starts from accepting that the idea of depersonalization is an option. Because some people might just defend the, oh, but you don't understand. The person who did it was calling me names. And, you know, they really meant it. They may have, but it's their issue. It's personal for them. It's their stuff. They're making you responsible. Doesn't mean they're right. But for the purposes of our own healing, it's important to say, that's your stuff. I don't want it. It's all about you. However, the all about you got over all over me a little bit here. And now I need time to clean it up. And I love your analogy of cleaning it up, right? Because it's not that there's something wrong with me. I read an interesting study once about the difference between men and women when they um, are feeling that they would want to lose weight. And it's women say, I want to lose weight, insinuating they need to lose a part of themselves. Whereas men often will say, I need to drop weight. And it's much less emotional. 
And that's what I'm hearing from your cleaning up as well. It's just cleaning it up. We can we can all take a shower. We can all take a bath. We can all clean ourselves up, but it doesn't necessarily get inside of us. And so I love that terminology, Brian. Look at you. Yeah, something that's interesting that you pointed out about women thinking that losing weight is losing a part of themselves. Well, my question is, who were they before the weight? Right. And I don't know everything about that study. It's been three or four years since I've read it, but basically women internalize in a different way than men do. Anything that's temporary can't be you. And weight expands, contracts. As do our personalities. Right. As life impacts us and changes how we show up. Just like we were talking a little bit beforehand about people learning from us and us learning from other people. And everybody has a perspective that could lend some wisdom to you. So it's just worth listening to people, hearing their stories. So when you were going through your adversity, and you went through a lot, by the way, and that's probably why you're so passionate about helping, did you open your perspective to learn from other people? What was, I guess, when we're talking about treasures, right, that came from adversity, is that one of the things that came out of those tribulations? Eventually. You know, when I first started going into the difficulties, my first response was emotional. You know, anger, frustration, anxiety, sadness. And then once I realized that I'm kind of in this, you know, this isn't something that's going to end soon. I need to figure out how to feel like I have some say in the matter. So I'd start asking myself, what action can I take to help me feel better? or to help me realize I'm still in charge. Sometimes on days where I was in so much pain, sometimes it was just getting up, getting out of bed, going downstairs, sitting with my family for a meal. Is knowing that action is what demonstrates that I'm still the captain of this ship. That it's not all happening to me and the only thing I can do is duck, dive, dip, and dodge. Right. And it's taking a little bit of responsibility too, because when you're going through something, it's easy to, you know, not take that responsibility. It's easy to say, all of this is happening to me. I have no control. I have no future. I have no this and no that. And I love that your example was small, going downstairs and eating with your family. That's a 1% sort of thing. And I think we can get so stuck in feeling like we have to make this big effort or this humongous action or go to 50% when that 1% is enough to demonstrate to your body and to your soul that you're doing better. One of the mantras I share with my clients who are predominantly female, as well as with my kids is baby steps. Baby steps are still steps and they still make progress. It's not a race. No one's sitting there with a stopwatch. It's up to you when you take a risk, when you take a pause, when you take a moment to celebrate. But just keep taking action so that progress is happening. And if it's not happening, you're at least reinforcing where you're at, reinforcing those tools and concepts that you presently have so you can use them more effectively. And you do have to practice. I love that you mentioned celebrating yourself. So if someone is struggling with something, it could be a major breakup, it could be a health concern, an injury, a crisis of some sort. What does progress look like from your perspective in those cases, in terms of finding the treasure, in terms of self-regulation, in terms of self-communication and speaking more kindly to yourself? What does that progress look like to you? In a relationship in general, any relationship, you learn what meets your needs and what doesn't. 
what causes you comfort, what causes you sadness. And especially the communication. One thing I hope people recognize in relationships that they do a lot, but don't necessarily catch it, is how many assumptions are made. Assumptions at the expense of clarification. Because if you need to know something or you're not sure of it, the best way to find out is to check in with the person that has that information. You think your partner is angry with you? Ask about it. Now, there's skill to that so a person doesn't get set off. But when you're on the outside of it, it's an opportunity to reflect and see what did I learn that worked that's going to help me be a better partner moving forward? And what did I learn didn't work? So I want to do that stuff again. So it's like a class that was going really, really well. And then all of a sudden the teacher said, get out of here. You're not welcome in the class anymore. And you're kind of left figuring out what the heck happened. But don't learn from a breakup that you are broken. And that is why the breakup happened. What made the breakup happen is that ultimately you and your ex weren't a good fit for one another. If, if I wore, see, when I was 10, I bought myself a pair of shoes. And then I grew until I was 15 and wanted to keep wearing those shoes. At some point, they're going to be a poor fit and it's going to start to hurt. So you need to find shoes that are more compatible with your level of growth. You do. And I think that's the same, too. I love that you brought up the teacher analogy. You know, for example, People are good at different things. Some of us are really good at writing. Some of us are really good at science. Some of us are really good at math. And it's easy to assume that there's something wrong with us if we're not absorbing or retaining the information in the way that we do in another class. Because for myself, look, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm just not so good at math. And that was a big source of anxiety for me. It was a big source of contention and really caused me to question, am I as smart as I thought I was? And so there's a little bit of that shattered self-image there. Well, and that's also equating proficiency in math with intelligence. Right. And I think that we do that, right? Our school system teaches that. Yeah, our, our school system unfortunately personalizes everything. It's your responsibility. You need to think about what you did wrong. You need to sit there and think about the, the consequences of your actions. In other words, we are being encouraged to feel ashamed or to feel guilty. That's horrible. If anything, we need to be encouraged to utilize our resourcefulness. So a kid gets in trouble, you can say, I know that there's more to you than that. I know you can do better. And I want you to sit here and think about what better would look like for you. And it's not just the absence of what got them in trouble. It's also a replacement because they'll come out and say, oh, I won't talk like that again. Well, in the absence of a replacement, talking like that's all you got. So it is going to happen again. And you're going to look like you're not trying. You're going to look like you're a liar. But the reality is you did not have something to work on, something to work toward, a new skill to build. And you went back to the depersonalization again there, right? We personalize. And when we personalize, it's easy to feel like there's something wrong with us, uniquely wrong with us, in fact. And in some cases, a person will say, I just don't want to change who I am to make others happy. 
upgrading your skills is not changing who you are. No, it doesn't change your values or your morals. It just changes maybe the way that you show up a little bit. Yeah, it changes the way you go about things so that you can be more effective. But who you are, like you pointed out, your values determine your behavior. So as long as the way you act is still congruent with your values, you're not betraying yourself. You're simply learning a different way to go about it. It's like upgrading from a bicycle to a motorcycle. It's still got two wheels. It's still a bike. You need different skills to move that thing. But you haven't betrayed yourself. I love the depersonalization. And I, I know that I continue to come back to it, but I just think it's a beautiful representation of maybe what's wrong with our world, right? Or what we could improve on collectively as a society. And so most people go through adversity. Everyone goes through adversity of some kind. Suffering is part of the human condition in various degrees. Economic suffering, the ending of relationships, the weather. Now, I get sore and sick when the seasons change because of my different illnesses. And another thing I'm going to throw in here with the depersonalization is learning to see the adversity as though you were an observer of it. You're kind of watching it happen and thinking, right, yeah, it's like you, you are somewhere else, you're borrowing these eyes, and you're just watching it happen, and you're asking yourself, hmm, what's good about this? What opportunities are here? And again, that's something you work towards. I didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to think like this today. Right. And sometimes the best you can reach for is neutrality. And you can't feel positively and you can't feel great about something, but at least you can reach for neutrality to get yourself out of that state where you're sapping and draining your own emotional energy and emotional consciousness. And I will be perfectly honest. There are times I get in funks. There are times where something happens and I get pulled into negativity and I have to turn to someone and say, I don't like the place I'm in. Can you help me talk this through? So I can get back to where I want to be. But one of the benefits there is I know that I can make a shift. I know what I want to make it to, where a lot of folks might just be interested in an audience to talk about how awful life is. And that's not good for either person because it just continues digging the hole instead of looking for a ladder. And it can come off really harsh, but I think that it can be very addicting to be a victim. I know that I, because I'm going to be honest here, everyone, I've been very addicted to being a victim, particularly around the situation that I spoke on was I got a lot of attention, a lot of support, I mean, a lot of sympathy. And at one point in my life, that was something I really, really craved until I realized it wasn't fulfilling and it wasn't what I actually wanted. So I had to make that shift, but it didn't happen overnight. It was really very much a 1% thing, just like Brian is saying, is I couldn't go from this terrible situation was fantastic. So I had to go to neutrality so that I wasn't spending every day consumed with thoughts of, well, my life could have been this because it was very devastating. I can't even imagine how frightening that must have been. Right. And it, it is that 1% thing, right? Where I can't actually get to where I want to go, but how can I take, as you mentioned, this one tiny little baby step? What would be your advice, your you know, kind of tangible, actionable steps for people where they might be stuck suffering. 
and we don't know what they're suffering with, but we know that they're suffering. What is your advice in moving towards a better mindset, those baby steps, the type of things that you teach your clients? What two or three advice would you give? One thing that I, I encourage people to practice as often as possible is gratitude. And it doesn't have to be the kind of gratitude where, hey, I bought my first car or, hey, you bought me that expensive thing I can't afford myself. Gratitude is noticing that the universe is giving to you. Hey, the sun's out today. Thank you. I heard some birds chirping. I really enjoy that. Thank you. And throughout your day, there are opportunities to spot things that are just given to you. The air that you breathe. You know, the clouds in the sky. You don't have to try for that. Somebody who walks by and says hi and it energizes you a little bit. Just say, thank you. And when you're able to tune into those things, you realize that in spite of the fact that you are so focused on a loss, there are still so many things that are just given to you and that you can utilize when you're ready to start moving forward again. We got to get to it three, Brian, because you are a trove and a wealth of wisdom. Well, you need two more? Well, in addition to gratitude, you've got to expose yourself to somebody that's solution-focused. And in this digital realm that we're in, YouTube is a godsend. I routinely go there to watch videos on philosophy and Buddhist stuff and mindset and business strategies. So if you just simply want to look for, let's say your confidence is struggling, go look for videos on building confidence. There could be a little pearl in there that clicks and you can start thinking like that and reinforcing that belief or that attitude. And before you know it, the way you see yourself and what options are available to you changes. Yes. And I'm a big proponent for the way that someone says something it is sometimes that click, right? You can hear the same piece of advice five, 10, 15 times, but the way that someone phrases it their intonation, the tone of their voice. Sometimes it just clicks. So if the first video doesn't resonate for you, that's okay. Try again. Find someone that you're excited to listen to. Find someone that motivates you. Someone that not just inspires you because inspiration's fleeting, but someone that transforms you. It, that might always, you know, it might sometimes be hard to listen to that transformation, but find someone that challenges you. And you might have to look five, 10, 15 times. You make a great point in terms of keep going. There are folks that want a quick fix. They want a pill. So they'll watch one, two videos. They won't find what clicks for them. They say, oh, this is a waste of time. And they don't do it. But if you're looking for treasure, you've got to be prepared to dig and get dirty and be patient until you find the treasure you're looking for. So watch 15, 20 videos until you come across the person who clicks and fits with where you're at, where you want to go. Exactly. See, you just made your third point. You made your third point. Keep going. Keep digging. Well, we, we got a wealth of information. We got a wealth of treasure out of Brian yet. And he did come back around with our third points. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with in terms of imparting your fantastic wisdom? And secondly, where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you? Give yourself the grace to be human and nothing more. Be prepared to take imperfect action. Because we learn from the things that don't work, not just from the things that do. And the best place to find me is my website, briancanhelp.com, or anywhere on social media. I'm pretty much everywhere. 
except OnlyFans. Oh, yeah, we don't do that, but we have heard. And as you've probably experienced listening today, Brian really can help. So I do encourage you to check him out. Brian, thank you for spending your afternoon with me. I so appreciate you. It's been an absolute pleasure, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be, which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success. And remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.